0: Have you ever thought about the cards you've been dealt? Have you ever taken the time to just stop and examine life as if they were a hand of cards? Some of you would look at your life and you would say, "I have a great hand. I want to keep them all." And some of you would look at the hand that you've been given. These, these three cards in my life—they're just rough or bitter. And if I could just exchange those for some new cards, then I would be okay. You see, life is cards. You can't treat in the cards that you've been given in life. I mean, these are your cards, whether you like the way they feel or not. It's funny, in life, how we kind of look at the uglier cards that we don't necessarily want anybody else to see. We try to hide them behind the more noble, significant, prettier cards. It's human nature, I guess. But deep down, we know the cards that we've been dealt. There's no escaping it. It's who we are. These are our cards, no matter how we look at it. They're part of our makeup. We can't escape it. You're all in. But what if? What if we're to stop? And just take the time to look at the cards that we've been given in life. Where did they come from? Was it life? Coincidence? Or was it God? Some of you would say, why would an all-caring, all-loving God really give me this card? I mean, if he really loved me, would he really give me this card? It's the cards of pain. It's the cards that we don't like to talk about. Cards of depression. Rejection. That word that just seems to linger in our mind even after all these years abuse, divorce even death these are real cards but there's also the good cards in our life think back if you can to uh, the time you made your dad laugh when you were a little kid when you tied your shoe your first A on a report card your first kiss first job first time you stood up for yourself These are the cards that you're proud of. These are the cards that you play over and over again because these are the pretty cards. It's a sad fact and it's true, but we really care what other people think. These are our favorite cards that we want to show people, that we have it all together. But what does God think? What if God were to choose the cards? What would those look like More than likely, they just wouldn't be the happy cards, but they would be an array of both good and bad cards. You see, we as humans, we do not like the hard cards in life. We try to avoid these like the plague. But don't discount the fact that God may have a purpose for even these cards. God wants to use the disappointed cards as the cards that fill us up with hope and joy. To God, they aren't a bunch of both good and bad cards. They're just cards. Cards that would bring Him glory. Cards that reveal that it's His story, not our story. And cards that can maybe even give us a glimpse of what Heaven is like. The crux of the matter is, are we just going to pretend that we're dealing with our cards? Are we going to hide behind cards that are more glamorous? Even hide behind cards that aren't even ours, other people's, because it's comfortable, it's safe. But if we do that, aren't we missing out on all that God wants us to be? Are we missing out on the rich lessons that we could learn for God's kingdom? From his view, you might just be given the best hand that you could have ever imagined. As for me, I'm going to play the cards that I've been dealt.
1: What cards have you been dealt in life? We've been dealt good cards and bad cards from our perception that every card is significant. The question is how are you going to respond to those cards? That's what we're going to be looking at as we study the life of Joseph In this new series we're embarking on over the next five weeks leading up to Good Friday. Easter entitled help for life's challenges certainly life is full of challenges and Joseph was an Old Testament character who had quite a few of them he had the lowest lows and the highest eyes highest highs but he always responded in the same way and the critical question that we're going to ask during this series is how do you respond to circumstances you focus on your circumstances or do you focus on your God it's very easy to focus on our circumstances isn't it the things that are going wrong instead of focusing on God within those circumstances if you could take your Bibles out and turn to Genesis chapter 37 there's nine chapters devoted to the life of Joseph that's a lot of material we're not going to be able to cover it all, but I would encourage you to read that on your own as you go throughout the week. Continue to reread the life of Joseph as we try to take golden nuggets from God's Word as we study his life. Look at Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. Joseph, a young man of 17, only 17 years old, when we start to look at his life, and it goes on through his 40s the story that we look at was tending the flocks with his brothers the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives and he brought their father a bad report about them so we see that he was part of a shepherding family typical back in that day they were a wealthy family they had slaves and they had all kinds of resources so he lived a privileged life. And uh, there was some friction between he and his brothers. Here we see that he brought a bad report about his brothers. You'll certainly see more of that here. Uh, we move on to verse 3. Now, Israel, that's Joseph's father, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So, we have Israel, his original name was Jacob, showing favoritism to Joseph. In fact, he went as far to make a beautiful robe for him and Again, the clothing was very important to people back in that day. It's very expensive, especially this particular robe. This is a very colored robe. Maybe you've heard of the musical Joseph and the amazing color dream coat. Great musical, but doesn't reflect the scriptures. It celebrates Joseph more than it does celebrating God. Well, it was an amazing coat, but the problem. Is that it was given out of sin. It was given out of favoritism. And his brothers couldn't stand Joseph because of the favoritism that his father showed. So Israel really sinned against his family by showing favorites. And we need to be so careful in this area, those of us who have parents, or parents of younger children, especially under 18. Uh, not to show favorites. And it's easy because many times we gravitate toward the children who are easier to raise, who are always compliant, that kind of thing. And the kid that's always rebelling and always pushing back, it's not as easy. And well, I tell you, you don't want to show favoritism because that can really emotionally scar a child for life. Very dysfunctional thing to do. And so we all need to reevaluate. Sometimes we do it without even. Sense in it, and if one of your kids says it to you, all the alarms should go off, and you should really consider your actions and us, try to try to seek God in the midst of your family relationships. So Jacob was guilty of setting Joseph up. At the same time, Joseph was no angel; he didn't have a halo over his head. Uh, he had some sin in his life too. I believe that was arrogance. He was just really arrogant. I mean. Here he knows that his brothers hate his guts. They can't even speak a kind word to him. Everything they say is critical or they don't talk to him at all. So what happens? We see in the next passage, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, what was this dream that Joseph felt compelled to share with his brothers? Well... There were these sheaves of grain, these bundles of grain, and there were 12 of them, and 11 of those sheaves bowed down to the one that was standing up. And, of course, Joseph was the one that was standing up, and the brothers picked up real quickly in this next passage. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now, it turns out that this dream actually comes true, but really, come on, some judgment? <laughs> okay? <laughs> These guys can't stand you, and you're going to share a dream with them and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to rule over you someday. <laughs> That's arrogance. That really is arrogant. And you would think that after that experience, I mean, he's throwing gasoline on the fire here, that Joseph would have said, best to keep my dreams to myself. Uh, what does he do? Well, he comes up with another dream, and he decides to share that with him. And this time you have uh, the 11 stars and the sun and the moon, Mom and Dad. They're all bowing down to me. How do you like that, guys? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I think that one pushed him over uh, the edge. So it happened that Jacob or Israel, Joseph's dad, decided to send Joseph out. On an errand to find out what was going on with his brothers who had gone on a trip now you would think that his, his dad would be clued into that's not a safe thing to do <laughs> with the family dynamics uh, going on he brought a bad report uh, in the first part of this passage and I think he liked to bring bad reports about his brothers uh, this time he would never get back to share any type of bad report so he went off looking for his brothers took a while but he finally found them and they saw him coming a mile away because he had that stupid coat on um i mean really he was a shepherd okay and he had this ornamented coat it'd be, be kind of like if a uh, construction worker came to work in a mink coat how much sense would that make right So Joseph's, you know, looking for his brothers. He's got his mink coat on, and they see him. How are they going to respond? Well, we see, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They were ready to kill. They didn't care. This kid had to go. They were tired of his dreams. They were tired of his attitude. They were tired of the way that his, their father treated him, them. That is both of them, and so they were ready, to do him in. Well, Judah comes up with a thought. A thought. He says, "As a oh, let's go back one. Uh, we should have another slide in there. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's right." As they sat down to eat their meal. Now, before that, what happened here is that uh, they, they saw Joseph and they decided to go ahead and do something to him. But uh, Reuben, uh, who was the eldest, he said, wait, guys, you know, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in to a cistern, an empty cistern. The water was the hell water. And they decided, OK, we'll do that. We won't kill him initially here. So after they got done attacking him and tearing off his robe, the robe they hated so much, they threw him in the cistern. And what they do? They sat down to eat their meal. <laughs> These guys are so callous, right? Okay, we took care of Joseph. What's to eat? <laughs> what would you bring to eat? Uh, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ash- Ishlamites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt so it was a traveling caravan they were taking uh, their goods to Egypt uh, to trade and so Judah comes up with an idea we see in this next passage Judah said to his brothers what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood he said what's in it for us sure we'll get rid of Joseph and we won't have to see him anymore but I mean, really, what are we going to get out of this? I've got a better idea. Come, let's sell him to the Islamites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he has our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agree. So what is he saying here? He's saying, listen, it makes no sense for us just to kill him. We're not going to get anything out of that. But if we sell him, which they did for 20 shekels, about what you'd pay for a handicap slave, If we do that, we'll get some money out of it. And he said, come on, guys. Let's be compassionate here. And he's our brother. Do we really want to kill him? Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. Judah was the one with a compassionate heart. He just wanted to do right by Joseph. And they said, yeah, I guess you're right, Judah. (laughs) Let's just kill him instead of sell him, or sell him instead of kill him. And uh, so they did just that. They sold Joseph into slavery. Now, we tend to romanticize Scripture. We tend to read through this story. We've all heard it in Sunday school. And we say, oh, yeah, okay, but everything was good for Joseph later on. But Joseph didn't know that. All he knew that he was 17, he's in a wealthy family, his dad loved him, and now he was being sold into slavery. Now think about that. What if you went through that experience? Sold into slavery. Here he's traveling with the Ishmaelites. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what type of slave owner he's going to have. If he's going to be abused. If he's going to be killed. I don't know about you, but I'd be frightened at that particular point. My life would be up for grabs. So, as Joseph heads down there, he's going through a life altering. Experience. Uncertainty is in his future. And I know that many of you have been through life altering experiences. Probably the most common one that people experience is a loss of a loved one. Your husband or wife dies, a child dies, and your life is changed forever. Or possibly you experience an injury. Or you have a life-threatening illness. Your life has changed forever. Maybe you lose a job in this economy and it takes you years to find another job. A life-altering experience. You know the fear. You know the uncertainty. You know the overwhelming anxiety and grief that Joseph was experiencing. Joseph was just a regular old person just like you. That I made mean, just 17 years old, and this was happening to him. That's pretty heavy stuff. He doesn't know what the future holds, but the difference about Joseph was is that he didn't focus on the circumstances, but he focused on God in the midst of those circumstances. So let's see what happened to Joseph. Thankfully, the Lord was with Joseph, and we see that throughout these passages. That the Lord's hand, in other translations it says, was upon Joseph. The Lord was watching over Joseph. God was in the midst of Joseph's circumstances. His power was there. He had a plan for Joseph. He was present with him. So the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered as a slave. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master, Potiphar. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. (laughs) It's amazing, right? Seventeen-year-old kid, sold into slavery, bought up by Potiphar and now over time because the Lord was with Joseph he was present with him he was empowering him in a plan for Joseph's life all of a sudden he becomes over time the leader of the household. He's the one who takes care of everything. Potiphar just enjoys life Yeah, Joseph will take care of that Joseph will take care of this (laughs) The Lord was with Joseph. And it has a lot to do with Joseph's attitude. We so quickly sink into a victim mentality when we go through a difficult time. We say, oh, why me? My life has gone off track. Everything has turned against me. God doesn't care about me. And we go on and on and on. That's just our default mode, and we become a victim. God doesn't want us to become a victim. He wants us to embrace the circumstance we're in and find him in that circumstance. And that's what Joseph did. He he wasn't a victim. He was a victor in the sense he said, okay, I'm a slave, but I'll do the best job that I can do as a slave. I'm not going to mope around and just do the minimal amount of work. No, I'm going to excel in this. And when you're in the midst of a difficult circumstance, that's difficult to do. But with the power of God, you can do it. You can apply yourself to the power of God to doing what God would want you to do in the midst of the pain and the challenge that you're experiencing. And that's what Joseph did. I think of Katie Willard, Rich and Carolyn's daughter. Pastor Richard just did the announcements here. Remember, she had the accident in October where she fell off a rock climbing wall very serious accident where she broke her leg and shattered her ankles and her feet uh were also broken and so she had to have her she had to have her legs up for four months elevated four months and she's doing real well she's just on one crutch and she's going to be hopefully going back up to wisconsin in april but she's always had a great attitude and i know she had difficult days and all that kind of stuff but as i've communicated with her and rich she really had a joseph type attitude about that life-altering experience that she went through She's a model for us when we hit those rough patches in our lives she had the right type of attitude she focused on god instead of focusing on our circumstances we look at the next Part of this passage, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Potiphar's life had never been better. This was the best purchase he had ever made. Joseph, the amazing Midas man, everything he touched turned to gold. Uh, It was wonderful. Now, now we look at this story and we reflect upon it. And we say, isn't this great? Joseph must be so happy about this. But wait a second. Joseph's a slave. Okay? Did we forget that? Joseph is a slave. And maybe Joseph is thinking, hey, God, I'm really glad that you're blessing Potiphar. Okay? But how about blessing me? I'm a slave. I want to go home. Hey, I've got issues here, okay? You're taking care of Potiphar because of me, but why don't you take care of me because of me? (laughs) I want to go home. But God God had him there for a particular purpose. Well, life seemed to be going a little better for Joseph in relationship to being a slave. (laughs) Uh, But then another problem came up. Potiphar's wife. Yeah, Joseph was a good-looking guy, the Bible tells us, and she wanted to have an intimate relationship with him, and she just kept bugging him day after day after day after day after day. And Joseph had a choice to make. Did he say no to her, or did he have an affair with his boss's wife? Now, if he said no, he knew that she would take her anger out on him in some way, and that wouldn't be good. And if he said yes, eventually it would fade and then again she would take her anger out on him. A no-win situation, no doubt. So what does he do? Well, he does the thing that God calls him to do. To do the righteous thing. Not to have an affair with her. He makes the right choice in a difficult situation. And what happens because he makes this right choice? Well, she comes on really hard one day and she grabs his cloak and he knows he's got to get out of there. So he runs out and so she's got his cloak. In fact, we're going to unpack this story more next week when we talk about how to deal with the challenge of temptation in your life. That one sin that besets you. How do you deal with that sin? How do you become victorious through Christ in the midst of that sin? So We'll talk more about this story, but just for this context... Uh, she has his cloak and he's disappeared. So we see in the next passage, she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me, to rape me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She's lying, of course. But Joseph knew this would happen. Go on to the next part of the passage. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Well, I think any of us guys would burn with anger. If someone told us that. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So he was sent to prison. Wow. He did the right thing, but he suffered. Because of it. Have you ever done the right thing and suffered because of it? Well, it's a very righteous thing to do. God is very pleased with you when you do that. He took the risk for God. And again, God blessed him for it. So, you look at Joseph, all right? Life is going along. Things are pretty good. Your brothers hate you, but you got a loving dad. you got life all before you. And then all of a sudden... Your life changes in a moment, and you're headed off to slavery. And you kind of adjust to that to some degree, and things get better, and then all of a sudden your life takes another uh, another ch- another turn, and uh, now you're in prison. So what do you do in prison? Let's take a look. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Now take a moment and think about this, okay? <laughs> right. Okay, so he goes to prison. Oh, I'm in prison. How would you feel if you were in prison? Oh, what is going on? You know, I've been cheated. Uh, she lied about me. You know, the victim type mentality. Well, Joseph doesn't do that. He keeps his eyes on God, knows God is with him, asks God to empower him. I'm sure Joseph prayed a lot (laughs) during all these circumstances. I mean, that's the only person he could turn to, right? It's God. And God had a plan. And so (laughs) he becomes in charge of the whole prison. (laughs) Is this amazing? Or what? It's like if you go into the hospital with with a physical problem, you're there for a week, and by the end of the, the week, you're running the place. <laughs> you know, you've taken over because Joseph was such a wonderful administrator. He was a wonderful leader. He was tremendously gifted by God. So no matter, no matter where you put him as a slave in the prison, that guy just took off. And he took control, and he did his best, and he excelled even in these difficult situations and it's not like he knew it's not like he knew the whole story like we do well someday I'm gonna be the uh, CEO of Egypt so I better start preparing (laughs) he didn't know that all he knew that he was in a prison and he didn't know if he'd ever get out he thought he might die in prison at this particular time we know he didn't want to be in prison because later we'll see and we'll study this story two weeks from now and we'll talk about what happens when you feel like you're in a prison marital prison a job prison career prison relational prison whatever it might be what do you do well we'll study joseph's experience there and he he didn't want to be in prison he told somebody was getting out hey remember me tell him i'm here and i don't want to be here it's not like joseph said okay i'm in prison this is cool (laughs) he didn't want to be in prison he was uh unjustly accused so uh we see that he continued to focus on god he continued to experience the power of god in his life and god had a plan for his life so we go to the next passage the warden paid no attention to anything under joseph's care he had a lot of latitude a lot of freedom because he could trust joseph because the lord was with joseph and gave him success in whatever he did now now, now we tend to look at this story and say Isn't this wonderful? Boy, I tell you, God is blessing Joseph so much. What a great life Joseph has. Joseph is in prison. (laughs) We forget that. Joseph is in prison. That's not a very fun place to be. And if I was Joseph, I was saying, You know, God, you've been blessing my life so much. You've made me a slave. You've made me a prisoner. Hey, how about blessing my brother's lives? Yeah, I've had enough, okay? (laughs) You you can kind of back off a little bit from blessing my life. I don't know what comes after prison, but I can imagine. Go ahead and bless my brothers, you know. Send them into slavery. Send them into prison. Kill them, all right? Hey, you bless me too much, right? really think about it. We read this story and we don't really think about it. His life is not going well. <laughs> Things are going in the wrong direction. But the secret is, is he doesn't become a victim. And we slide in to be victims all the time. It's all how you view it. If you're just looking at your circumstances, yeah, you are going to become a victim. You're going to be mad. You're going to be angry. You're going to be resentful and revengeful and bitter and all that kind of stuff. But if you say, okay, God has allowed this in my life for whatever reason, I don't know. And so I'm going to acknowledge His presence, prayer, and giving the situation over to Him. I'm going to let Him empower me to do supernatural things. And then I'm going to trust in Him that He's got a plan for my life. Why is it that things happen to us like this? Well, there's one word, and it's sin. That's why things happen to us. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden; everything was downhill from there. You and I inherited that sinful orientation, and really, everything that goes wrong in this world is because of sin. You know, we are just stunned about what's happening in Japan. It's like you can't even get your mind around it. It's so massive. It, it's impacting so many lives. And then you got the nuclear plant issues going on. Who knows where that's going? And why is it? Well, because you had an earthquake that caused a tsunami. Well, who did that? Well, when God dealt with Adam and Eve, He not only cursed mankind and put them under judgment, but He put this world which they were in charge of, under judgment. That's why we have earthquakes and tsunamis and hurricanes and people are killed and there's all kinds of devastation because this world is under a curse. It's all about sin. Then you think about the sin of man. Libya! What is going on? What an unbelievable week. You just sit there and watch the news all day. Libya, we're attacking Libya. where did that come from? Why? Because of sin of Muammar Gaddafi man is probably demon possessed he wants to wipe out his people just so he can stay in power sin that's our issue and that's why we're always dissatisfied with this life because this world is under a curse there, there are some days when i really have a lot of satisfaction in what i do and my relationships and things that, like that and you know it never feels quite enough and you know why that is because this is in heaven god intended this earth to be heaven but then adam and eve sin the only time i'm going to really feel totally satisfied is in heaven i look forward to that day we're trying to get all our satisfaction down here well well you know god is going to give you a satisfaction along the way but don't count on looking for what you're really looking for it's not found here it's only found in heaven we'll say well hey i want to go to heaven how do i get there well you got to deal with your problem with sin the bible says Romans three twenty three for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God we've all sinned and we can't have a relationship with a holy God that's just the way that works so the Bible's clear about the fact that there's a penalty for sin and that penalty is eternal separation from God in hell that's a pretty serious penalty isn't it Well. The good news is God doesn't want that. So that's why He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world as a God-man, to live the perfect life in order that He might represent us on the cross, that He might die for us, that He might be our substitute. And in doing that, He can provide us with the payment to God. He took our place. He's the one who paid the penalty. And if we just receive that, free gift we can become a part of the family of God what does it mean to become a Christ follower well you you go to God and say I'm a sinner and there's nothing that's good about me there, there's nothing that I can do that can help me to get into heaven I mean so many people have a works orientation they think well you know if I'm just good enough and I go to church and I'm nice to people and all these different things and they compare themselves to other people you know I'm not as sinful as that person my friends you're not good enough for God I'm not good enough for God. You gotta stop trying to work your way to heaven because it doesn't work. You gotta come humbly to God and say, Lord, I got nothing, you've got everything, your son died for me. I accept that free gift of salvation. I repent of my sin. I believe in you, and I want to be your son or daughter. I want to be a part of the family of God. And that decision is what brings you in to a relationship with God. And I encourage you to make that decision or keep coming to Springbrook as you explore that decision. That's the most important decision you can make in your life because once you make that decision, God is truly with you. God is there to be a part of your life and a part of your eternity. We read in Romans ten nine that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it means to become a Christ follower and then you can start to live the way that joseph lived his life again you can start to embrace your circumstances and focus on god instead of your circumstances how do you focus on god well like joseph first of all you need to acknowledge the presence of god we look in john chapter 14 verse 27 the presence of god peace i leave with you my peace i give you I do not give to you as the world gives. The world promises all kinds of peace if we do this, if we buy that, if we experience that, but it's artificial. You only can find peace in a relationship with God. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Well, that's what happens when we're focusing on circumstances. We're just basket cases, right? Well, that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to have peace in the midst of our difficult circumstances. Let's say you're struggling in your marriage right now. Things aren't going well. It's just going south, and it seems like there's no way to stop it. And The one thing you can do is just pray. Read God's Word. Experience God's peace in the midst of that situation, saying, God, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know where this marriage relationship is going. I pray that I would experience your presence in this relationship. I pray that I get to know you through the pain of trying to bring reconciliation into this relationship. God is with you you allow him to be and I can imagine again as I said before that Joseph was constantly turning to God the many difficult experiences that he had the second thing you can do to focus on God instead of your circumstances is you can focus on his power that power is illustrated here in Philippians 4 do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. You say, well, how, how can I do that? That's how I run my life. My life is run on anxiety. That's how I get things done. I just say, okay, what am I anxious about? And I turn to that problem. And, friend, that's going to wear you down. That's going to, uh, this power and the energy you have is going to be tapped if you live your life that way. But Many of us do. Uh, we we should not be anxious because we can give it over to god and if we give it over to god and we ask the lord to help us and to empower us to do supernatural things that we can't do on our own we say lord i pray you'd fill me with your spirit i pray that your spirit would control me in this situation your spirit would give me wisdom your spirit would give me insight in dealing with the challenge that i have he's going to come through and that's why you you no longer need to be anxiety it's just not like an empty thing I'm just not gonna think about it no I'm gonna give it to God and he's going to enable me and give me wisdom and guide me in dealing with this particular issue and the pain that I'm experiencing uh, because of it And then you experience this tremendous peace like dealing with your kids if you have young children you are physically exhausted most of the time and God can give you the energy you need to get up the next day and keep on going if you have teenagers you're emotionally exhausted of arguing with them and trying to reason with them and trying to see why they should do this and why they should do that and that kind of thing. If you have older adult children, you're financially exhausted. (laughs) Paying for college, having them live at your home and uh, helping them out if they go through a divorce or something. (laughs) I mean, it just keeps going and going, doesn't it? But God can empower you if you ask Him. He can empower you to deal with those situations. Finally, God's present presence God's power you need to focus on and finally God's plan God has a plan for your life and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose all things work together for good every painful situation God can use it for good even if you caused it he can turn it around and that is a great verse that builds so much confidence that no matter what's going on in your life God has a plan I mean again when Joseph was in prison. He didn't know that he would be the CEO of Egypt someday. That would have changed things, right? Okay, well, I'm in prison for a while, so I know that I'm going to eventually be the leader of Egypt, so that's cool, I can hang out in prison. He didn't know that. You see, God has a wonderful plan for your life. It doesn't mean you're going to be the president someday. (laughs) But it does mean that He wants you to be more like Jesus Christ. And what He's taking you through right now, the fire that He's taking you through, is to accomplish His purpose in your life and not your own purpose. I know I'm all about the purpose for Dan Harrison. But as we mature, we know it's about what God wants in my life, not what Dan Harrison wants or what you want in your life. God has a plan for your life, and you say, my life is such a mess. God still has a plan for your life. No matter how much more you mess it up, He'll revise His plan. Okay, He has a plan for your life and that's the confidence you have that no matter how pain, much pain you're going through and anxiety and those kind of things, you've got to give that up and just trust in God. Trust in Him. So let's just bow for a moment as we close together. And I want you to think about that one circumstance you're in right now that you just wish you could trade that card away. Get that card out of the deck and realize that God is using that in your life. Again, pray for God's presence. Pray for God's power. And understand God has a wonderful plan for you. Just spend a moment giving that over to God. And I encourage you to do that on a daily basis as you focus on God instead of the circumstance. Father, I pray you'd work in my life this week. I've got circumstances I'd like to trade away. And so many times I play the victim. I feel so sorry for myself. Lord, it's a supernatural thing for us to focus on you. I pray for me personally that you would do that. You'd help me to continue to think about your presence, that you're with me, that you'll carry me through whatever it is. I pray that I think about your power, that you're just willing to let loose in my life, If I'll just allow you to, and help me to think about that you have a plan for my life. Not my plan, but your plan. Help me to embrace your plan and celebrate that in the midst of pain. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to have our ushers come forward.